Pod Clubhouse. Contest, contest, contest! It's our shitty little contest! Did you know that we're running a Shit's Creek contest? Just listen to the podcast from episode 8 through 14 of Shit's Creek Season 6. Pick up the special word of the day or phrase and repeat it back to us via DM. We will pick a winner to win fabulous prizes. Mike, tell them what they could win. They could win authentic gifts from the Rose Apothecary pop-up at Beekman 1802 Mercantile and some Rosebud Motel branded material that we picked up at McGillicuddy's Natural, also in Sharon Springs, next door to the Mercantile. The Merc! The Merc! DM us either on Instagram or at Twitter. We're at Pod Clubhouse, both places. That's how you enter. That's all you have to do. Listen and win free shit! Free shit! I think every winner is going to get one or two tubes of lip balm from Rose uh, One, but yeah. Oh, did you did you keep the others? <laughs> I might have kept one. <laughs> have you used them? Uh, I think I, sh- my sister one. did. And you know what's amazeballs? They're tinted, all those lip balm users. They're tinted. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be tinted lip balm? I thought lip balm was like clear. It was like, look like paste. See, that's the thing. That's sad, low-end lip balm when it's just like paste. That's where no. I roll, girl. That's where Mm-mm. I roll. No. Well, you need to slow your roll and hear up on this. Okay, it's tinted like it has a tinted pinky color so that when you put on your lips, you look like, oh, girl, you look fresh like that. Is that what they say? Do they say mm-hmm. that to you? Do people mm-hmm. say that to you? Mm-hmm. Wet that whistle, people. Wet that whistle. That's our shitty little contest. We bought the stuff. We want to give it to you. Let's get our shit on. Now, <laughs> on to this week's episode. Hi, this is Caroline from Daily Review. And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. And this is Without a Paddle, the Shit's Creek Podcast. Tonight we're talking about episode 9 of season 6, Rebound. It was written by Michael Short and directed once again by Jordan Canning. She's back again, folks. You cannot keep Jordan down. Jordan is rising up. I love Much like it. Rocky. Do you want to hear a little trivia? Do you know who Michael Short is, Caroline? Might he be of the Short clan? Michael Short is Martin's younger brother. He's actually, including tonight, I believe, written 11 episodes. What? Actually, this might, this might be his 12th episode. He has a producer credit on SCTV. I love so, that. Yeah. Yay. Canadians stick Shorts. together. There's like nine of them. There's nine <laughs> funny Canadians and they all fucking stick together and they all just appear in everyone's things. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And this is episode nueve as well. So it's like nine Canadians. Ah, ah, ah. Yes. Yes. What was the Count's name on Sesame Street? Um, I believe he was also Canadian. The Count. No, he had a he had like a Count Von Count or something like that. He had a full mm, name. Okay. Well, you just go look up that nombre while we're moving on. Okay. All right. I'm going to. Okay. Here's the deal. We're going to start off with our girl Lexi, who's having a little bit of a rough go post- Ted breakup. While we all enjoy Ted and Alexis's beautiful ending, she is trying to come back on the scene. Do you agree with the fact that she started dating only a week later, or do you think she should have taken more time for herself? I, this is what a rebound is. She has a, a approved script that she has probably used all her life. She is just trying to shake some dew off of that rose and sex her way out of Ted thoughts. Dude, did she have sex with Artie? For sure told her father that they made out. I think you have to imagine that they probably boned. I think Artie's only there for the boning. Oh, God, the Cat Stevens makeout music. I did like that Johnny turned around and defended Cat Stevens <laughs> and actually sent him in kind of Artie defense spiral. He was like, oh, hey, 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 hey. 
<laughs> Artie is a piece of shit, but Cat Stevens is okay. Do you think that David was out of line to bring it to his parents and be like, I'm a little concerned about Alexis, no. I'm not really sure. He's the one who has had to live through her selfishness. Sitting home always worrying about her. This was very on brand for David. I love the big brother thing. Moira's awkwardness with that, oh, we were just having a whole conversation about you. And he's like, Gonda. <laughs> Moira. As Alexis was going into the bathroom, Moira gave the best, like, bad advice line that only Moira could, could give. After the door closes, she turns back to the boys and she, like, throws her hands up and kind of rolls her eyes to the side in, like, a I tried but not very hard kind of way. And it made me <laughs> laugh out loud. I love that. It wasn't what she said that was funny. It was her reaction. It was the hands up in the air, like, oh, fuck it. What are you going to do? <laughs> My favorite line of this entire scene was David and his commentary on Alexis and the choices that she's making. We have that clip. Or Lexi's making some wonderful choices. Think back to your yesteryear, long, yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Was the rebound the right way to get over it? Help suppress the feelings of sadness? Whoever you date after your serious romance is a rebound kind of no matter when it is, isn't it? Yes. Listen. Oh, I'm gonna listen. Oh, you better listen. I'm, I'm up here listening with both ears. Right? Dating either results in breaking up or getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, it actually only really ends in death for everyone all the time. Some people do just date forever, but the law calls that common law marriage. The law does call that that? Yeah, they do call it that. When you're there, when you're with someone for 30 years and like we live together, we share our lives, maybe we even have kids together. And then you're like, oh, so you're married? Oh, no, 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 we're not married. Motherfucker, you're married. Just because you don't have a piece of paper that says it. Bitch, please. Everyone is a rebound after a relationship, I think Artie was a very specific choice for Alexa. You know, oh, Alexis. for sure. Oh, my God. This old man meat. Uh, let's not say old man meat. Oh, I'm saying old man meat. Oh, I'm That's gonna going to say it. <laughs> 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 that sounds like what old man meat sounds like. I want to know oh. if you have ever dated someone like outside your age range like this. Oh, my God. What is that about? I'm thinking. I haven't done much dating. I've, all my prime years were I was locked up in a cage. Whoa. You're like a rat in a cage, despite all your rage. I was a happy rat for a little while. The biggest age range in anyone I've ever dated was three years. I assume they're always your younger? I've dated a couple of older women, but never Ooh, more than a year Older or two. women? Like cougs? They weren't registered at like cougarlife.com or anything. Gross. I'm always within the range. But I think that has a lot to do with like shared experiences. I'm 42. What the fuck am I going to do with a 25-year-old? I mean, I know what I can do with a 25-year-old, but <laughs> I need more than that to get my boogie down. If you don't know what to do with a 25-year-old, then we should all stop the podcast now and send Mike out on the town. Take your Purell. <sighs> It's coronavirus time. <laughs> no, I mean, no. Like, what am I going to talk about with a 25-year-old? I have like, no I, idea. I, I don't even know what a 25-year-old talks about, period. But Artie didn't seem upset about it. I mean, Artie's got grandkids. He probably actually has a lot to talk about with however old Alexis is. She's probably actually closer to 30. Um, I think she's closer to 40. I thought that was the deal, is that they're actually, like, in their, like, later 30s, no? No. Where where did we hear that from? I don't know. Your mom? Oh, uh, my mom's a bitch. She <laughs> lies all the time. I really did think that they were, like, I thought they were in their like latter half of their 30s i would put them in like their late 20s early 30s because Catherine and eugene don't play that old so unless they had them very young i wouldn't put 
Johnny and Moira in their 60s. I would put them in their mid-50s. Artie wasn't looking for stimulating conversation. He was looking to have a pretty girl on his arm. Alexis was looking to have someone that she knew she would never be emotionally invested in by her expensive dinners. I think they both got out of it what they were looking for, except for the fact that she ended up getting dumped, which backfired on Johnny a little bit. Do you think it was appropriate for Johnny to get involved there or not? I'm a dad. What is appropriate and what is right I think are different things here. No, it's not appropriate. He should not be butting into his grown daughter's business, but I understand it. I got nothing but love for Johnny Rose. I mean, this motherfucker is as old as him or older with his grandkid bullshit. I think I'd have the same exact reaction. If Tom came home with a 40, 30, 40 year older woman, I think I'd probably sit her down and be like, what the fuck? Okay, I have some age news. Hit me. David's B-Day is July 2nd, 83, which was his pin number, which would make him 35 if it's 2019 in the show. But they say the town was bought as David's Sweet 16 in 1991, which would make him 44. I thought it was like his 12th birthday. I don't know. I'm just telling you what this little thing says. I'm just reading. I'm just doing my literacy work of the day. Whatever it is, I think there's a 30, 40 year difference between her and Artie. I think so too. And I mean, so it's, it's fine that they were casually dating, right? Like, did everyone need to be getting that upset about it? I guess the only part where things got a little bit wig was when they were talking about going on like a weekend away. Like, I guess, I guess that's when you start pumping the brakes and be like, I mean, it's one thing to like go out on like go to the steakhouse and Whatever, makeout sessions, whatevs. But maybe it felt like it was going really fast a week in. The weekend away didn't bother me. It was the family aspect of it. That that is too intimate for this. Okay. Like a weekend away. I mean, if you're if you're there for the boning and the free wine, a weekend in wine country sounds exactly what you're gonna get out of that. But not as a fucking family but retreat. This is only a week after her yeah. and Ted broke up and they're already and these two are already taking a weekend away. You're not weirded out? They're not doing it for the romance. I mean, it's just efficient. If you're just looking to fucking eat and drink, a weekend away in wine country is literally the best place you could possibly do all of those things constantly uninterrupted. <laughs> Bringing your fucking family along? Come on. Yeah. Wait, you have the grandkids walking in while you're riding granddad? Come on. Gross. That's gross. That's, That's super gross. Not appropriate. Like Too much. Mm-hmm. And I think that was Johnny's reaction. I think he he might have even held his tongue had she not laid out how not casual it all seemed. Yeah. Did you think Artie did the right thing or did you expect him to go ahead and bust up this relationship? Did you think that that's how that was going to end? I did not see that coming. I thought it was going to be a classic and I should not underestimate the show like I do sometimes. I thought it was going to be a classic. I get you, Johnny. I hear where you're coming from in a diner. And then he was going to do something like totally inappropriate in the wrong way mm-hmm. that's the classic that's so tv too. trope you'd be like I, i'm picking up what you're putting down pops and then like <laughs> let's get married alexis we can tell yes. the kids and the grandkids you know that too i thought that too because that's a tv trope that's what always happens i thought in TV. he was gonna like ask to get married because that's what always happens in tv and so mm. i really appreciate Shit's creek I, I michael short knows what the hell he's doing yes he, he does. doesn't you, you don't have martin short for a brother and not bring mm-hmm. the funny Speaking of bringing the funny, Twyla always adding her little tidbits of humor. He was like, I don't know that guy, but I think he dated my aunt because there's a picture of him holding me at Christmas when I was a baby. Remember that because uh, it was the same year that Santa brought me a lighter. Come on, Twyla. Twyla. Do you want to know what I wrote in my notes? What did you write in your notes? I drew a little heart and then I wrote Twyla. That's what I wrote next to this note you uh, uh, during this conversation. I hope you get to meet her someday. Her and Jocelyn. I want you to get to meet her. Jocelyn, probably too old for me. Twyla, probably too young. I don't know how old Sarah Levy is. I don't know. I feel like Goldilocks in the sandwich of all these women that I'm attracted oh, to. Yeah. I'm attracted to all the wrong women on Schitt's Creek. I don't know. See, I feel like they play her as old as Johnny and 
Moira. I know you're this is riveting, riveting uh, podcasting. She's 49. So is that? Well, I don't know. Is that too is old? That, I, don't I don't know. know. I have no idea. I mean, that would be old for me traditionally. I don't really have an age thing. If I had something in common with her. As you do, as she is a Canadian actress. Well, you know, I did my time as a Canadian it's not the actress I, I'm attracted to. It's the character she plays on TV, just like you have secret fantasies about rolling <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. That was a secret. I was not supposed to tell people about that. So sorry. That's not even funny. That hurts my heart that you would say such a thing. Gross. Oh. Sick. You're sick in the we're, head. We're spilling tea this week, people. We're spilling the tea. It's fake uh, No, tea. I love that fake Twilight. imaginary tea that you should not drink. It's poison toxic i love how twyla gets the best lines in with alexis i love the idea of santa bringing her a lighter for christmas <laughs> that is the most that is the most twilight christmas present i could ever imagine was Artie actually a catch i mean he had a three bedroom with an above ground pool i really liked how he added the above ground pool <laughs> he was the king of the trailer park i don't know people that is a successful business i thought it was funny when he started to say he had a chain of successful i thought he was going to say video stores just to be that so weird because well, when he said that isn't every time we hear about rose video it's like a chain of successful video stores so when he goes i had a chain of successful trailer parks i was like i think a couple times this episode they went with the least obvious answer and definitely for me a successful line of trailer parks was not <laughs> what i was expecting you're a woman caroline by the way oh, what when you're a girl would your father have scared off a boyfriend like johnny does with Artie? to save you from yourself, which is what I think Johnny thinks he's doing for Alexis. Okay, so weirdly, I would say that anyone who's met my dad would probably say absolutely, but the reality is, nah, he never would. He he never has like stepped into my life in that way. He would be kind of like, gruff with me or something and then I'd be like what's going on and then he'd be like I don't like this or that but most people would think that he is the type of person to like really be super duper assertive and like go talk to some guy or something but he wouldn't he wouldn't actually overstep like that he's gotten involved in other things that are not romance and definitely all from that like I'm just trying to look out for you kind of way have you my father once went down to a schoolyard when my sister was in sixth grade a boy had been mean to her and by mean I mean I think he said that I no longer like you they had like a sixth grade like relationship yeah like he went down after school to the schoolyard grabbed this boy by the neck and said stay away from my daughter or I'll make you pay something along the lines of that his father came to my house to have words with my father I did not approve of that even back then when I was (laughs) when I was what five (laughs) but I did really appreciate protective Johnny here I totally got where he was coming from the idea of Alexis in pain and is making bad choices. I need to save her. Totally appreciate and see where he's coming from for sure. We have heard this again and again throughout the series, whether it be him injecting himself into writing the paper and he like rewrote it. And he says like, I'm sorry that I wasn't there at other times to help you with your homework. I felt like I needed to step in and help you with that. They've been doing a really good job about the callbacks to previous episodes. And this was another little moment where it seemed like they were kind of having a a bookend to that. They're still kind of living out things that he missed. Whereas Moira tries to parent, it's very here and now and looking forward the advice she gives her kids. Johnny seems very and consistently motivated by his past 
I think back to how he was encouraging David at, during the softball game. He was encouraging his son because I feel like that was something he probably felt like he didn't get to do when David was younger. Yeah. And be that kind of involved. Were you surprised that she broke down and really gave into her pain? Annie Murphy just killed it at the end there. I don't know if I was surprised. I feel like that they have been trying to show the range of emotions. You know, when David and Patrick had their falling out and David took to his bed. And I, I guess I wasn't really surprised that she would start crying or it does make me wonder if they are going to bring Ted back in. I don't know. There's a lot of pain here. We shall see. In the behind the scenes video that Dan hosts his little round table he does with the cast, he talked last week about how painful it is to break apart a couple like Ted and Alexis who have been so good for each other and made each other better people. It's hard to say goodbye. Annie was at the table. She said something along the lines of, but it's not forever. Really? And Dan laughed at her. It, it did not seem as like she was dropping any kind of spoiler. It seemed very much wishing on her part huh. that we have not seen the end of Alexis and Ted yet. Well, intrigue. I like that she's as big a shipper of them as we all seem to be. So that made me happy. Oh, I love it. Have you ever had a car egged, Caroline, or polite protesters yell at you <laughs> that was adorable polite protesters they were the most canadian protesters ever i know they were really cute i have not had my car eggs but during high school there was a lot of shenanigans about forking people's yards what is forking people's yards it's when you take plastic forks put it every couple inches slash feet depending on how many forks you have push it really far in the ground so then like when someone like runs the lawnmower over it it's like <laughs> a mess I have never heard of such a thing. What a tremendous waste of time. It's suburbia. Um, I've also been part of filling a gigantic Gatorade cooler, like those kind of size that they have on like the side of like sport events yes. with a horrendous mix of things from a pantry. So it could be like soup and sauerkraut and just all kinds of horrendous stuff and pouring it on someone's front porch. So- I was gonna say you're not so much a person being egged no. as an egg as an egger. You weren't never an eggy. Uh -huh. You were more of an egger. I have definitely. I've, I've never egged anyone's car because, from what I did have the sense to know, dried egg takes paint off cars. So I would never do that level of damage. This was all stuff you could, you know, although the forking of the yard would probably take a tremendous amount of time to clean up to think about it. See, as a homeowner, you appreciate that kind oh, of I'd thing now pissed. that you maybe that I'd you be, didn't in your youth. Oh, I'd be so pissed. So pissed. And then also uh, TPing houses. That was definitely like a hot business. I played softball, so I had a pretty good arm. I could really do some damage. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's like, it's like I don't even know you. Um, I don't know that you do. I was definitely about destruction. And, and not oh like God. not like horrible destruction, just hijinks. I'm going to say. I was such a good kid. My parents had no idea how fucking lucky they had it with me. So a thing to do in our town is there's like a town fountain. And about once a week, someone pours like an entire thing of laundry detergent in it. So that the entire intersection is just suds. Every week, someone takes a picture and is like, mm, the fountain's full of sluts again. And then one old bitty has to be like, you know how much it costs to clean that out? <laughs> and everyone else, even us moms are like, <laughs> that's funny. I figure it's good for the area to be cleaned up like that. So I keep pouring the detergent in, you know, I think it's funny. You want to hear the one bad thing I did in my childhood? And it was very much brought on by peer pressure madness okay. and marching bad nerdness. 
marching band nerdness. Okay, yeah, sure. I was on the drum line, and we were we were the bad boys of the marching band. We disliked one of the assistant instructors. This guy was he was just a pain in the ass. He wasn't that much older. He was like in his early twenties, so he was old enough to be an authority figure, but he was young enough when no one else was looking. He'd be like, "You little shits, I'm gonna make you do push-ups until your knuckles bleed." You know, he was that kind of guy. Gross. So we really disliked him. Yeah, he was a real dick. Anyway, so we get to the championships, and at the time we used to uh, have our championships at Giant Stadium at the end of the night several of us decided to get our revenge and uh, we found we'll say his name was john we found john's car he had like a little red corvette that he was very very proud of we all took turns peeing on his door handles and on his gas tank cover and like we all just kind of went around sprinkling our piss all over his car which froze immediately because it was super super cold so we had the trophy with us while we were doing it it was a very proud moment for all of us his name was actually john so. <laughs> oh, so the good news is that you're in a sterile folks so really that wasn't anything bad you did it's sterile and i like the taste oh god you're it's a all it's right always, we okay. are we are plowing ahead into moira's storyline i was not really expecting this third storyline i was very engrossed in lexi and david sauce patrick's storyline so when moira comes out and starts screeching about the flock of poultry that dropped its ovum what did you think about the idea of her having a stalker that put locks of hair in her glove compartment we didn't talk about this and i'm backing up and i know you just asked me a question oh and i God. will answer that in a second didn't you have a visceral reaction to the constant lexi 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 talk that Artie, yeah. Artie, Artie was doing but i think that yeah. it was important if you're doing something that you think you shouldn't really be doing then to have some sort of like alias or like alter ego you know like beyonce mm. has like sasha fierce lexi is like her carefree slash bad choice making gay beard kind of gal i mean when i go out into town and i'm feeling naughty i put on a wig and i call myself caroline out at the bars oh well sure Sir, some guys are into it wow you live a really fucked up life <laughs> <laughs> I make you a bet Moira was kind of jazzed back in the day having a stalker put some locks of hair in her glove compartment. Doesn't that seem the kind of thing that would kind of feed Moira's ego? Weird like checkoff list of like how famous you are. Like, do you have a stalker? Did they do something disgusting with their body parts? Excellent. You move forward two spaces. <laughs> it, like when Joey, as Drake Ramori, finally gets a stalker, that's like a real mark that he's made it. I did like her admonishing Stevie's lack of outrage <laughs> and saying that she's never understood what it is to have a, a bullseye painted on her thorax. <laughs> yeah. Do, do humans have thoraxes? <laughs> I uh, thought that was only like, like, like caterpillars, not cat, like, right? like bugs. bugs, like crickets. I don't think they do have a thorax, but I do think that's funny. I was actually quite taken aback by Moira and this People Magazine interview because it makes me sad to think that she still would talk shit about Pun the intended. town. Yeah, unintended. No, oh, I said intended. I think you totally meant it. Oh, right. Moira has been the slowest in growth. I kind of really thought that she was, she she would not be so mean to the town at this point. The sign that says, we're not angry, we're disappointed. That was me. I made that sign. <laughs> Only bested by, that wasn't very nice. I, it surprised me that they played Roland and Ronnie with actual kind of anger, not just like bemusement or that's Moira, but like actual anger at her. But it did not surprise me at all. Well, Moira, but that's so sad. Moira has had very the only growth I would say Moira has had is a little bit as a parent with her kids, and that's only very recent. Recently, okay. I love Moira isms. I find Moira very funny. Moira Rose is not a good person <gasps> as far as 
like the good people of Shit's Creek go, I would say she is actually a worse person than Roland Shit. Well, yeah, I, I definitely she, agree. With I think that. morality-wise, I think she is the worst person on the show. Ooh. This interview seemed totally on brand to me. She thought a good defense was I never actually named the town. In her brain, that makes total sense. Poor Bob. He was so upset he had to go home. Oh my god. I wrote my notes. Bob had to leave three exclamation points. <laughs> if you followed the small little nuggets of the town, like when they went to the town awards and they actually had some status there, and then with the crowing opening there, and now they're like, okay, we're going to actually try to do some tourism and bring people here. How disappointing would it be to feel like undercut uh, someone on town council? Yeah. Your big town celebrity, they said it, Ronnie and Roland, a couple times that they're spending a lot of money, they're playing this whole big campaign, but I feel like we hadn't heard about that before i don't think we have heard about it but i think that it goes hand in hand with the movie premiere and all of the more attention on the town it made Mm. sense to me like that was a natural flow like her trying to latch on to the to the popularity of the of the movie and actually do something i I don't know i'm sad with moira why did you have to do that that was no reason to do that we need to take a moment here and compliment roland ronnie and bob on seizing the moment yeah that's pretty good political savvy for this group. That made me really happy. And I totally backed them up on their anger. Did you think that it was a good enough apology for Moira to star in their tourism video? I thought that tourism video was hysterical. Me too. And you know what? It was one of the first times that we got what we raising fists about. Like every time when they're like, talk about her commercial or talk about her movie, they showed us the whole video. Like they didn't just make mention of it. I was so happy. I was so happy, but I liked everything in it. One of my <laughs> favorites, and there was a, there's a, pro- a production still of it actually put up on Twitter of Moira smiling at the camera with like that awkward toothy smile she has with Twyla. You know, when they both turn to the camera. Yes, those big fake smiles. Oh my God, the fake smiles, because she uses it a lot in the video. But (laughs) the cafe, some call it fine dining. It certainly is fine. (laughs) I don't know, maybe less. More like the Stevie and Johnny part. Um, oh, yes. Stevie looks like a goddamn serial killer. The way she's standing a little bit hunched. And then Johnny starts to talk and she goes, John, no. And like, she, puts it, she, she like puts her hand on his hand to like I keep it down. I physically just did it just now. Like I put my yeah. hand up. Yeah. I was like, that's such a wife move. Like, John, no. Like, don't, don't. Emily Hampshire plays Stevie so well because she always makes her the most awkward, uncomfortable person in the room. I I would think it's really hard to do, to always be that awkward. Uh, But she nails it. We're going to throw in an Emily Hampshire interview that we have that was from 12 Monkeys, and she talks about that, and she claims to be an extremely awkward person in real life. You guys have to listen to future Shit's Creek episodes to listen to that Emily Hampshire interview. That ending line. If heaven had a creek, it would be this one. Maybe laugh. Moira has actually never said the name of the town. Oh. You would think the tourism video for Shit's Creek, the name would come up a couple times. But she sidesteps it deftly every time. The part where she was like, the town where I currently am. <laughs> awesome fan service. I want to give a shout out to him and Ronnie again, bringing the funny as this comedy duo, which we've seen a lot this season. Their whole outrage mixed in with bringing up this long forgotten Rampgate scandal. I just thought it was very real and very lived in, and it made me really laugh. Before we head to uh, Rose Apothecary's latest employee, Caroline, I think it's time to give the phrase of the week or the word of the week, actually. This week, it's a word of the week. Do you want to tell the people what it is? No. <laughs> That is not the word. Please do not DM us no for episode nine. The word for our shitty contest is scatting. Skip it up, boop, 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 do, 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 do. Yeah, scatting. Gross. Scatting is the word for episode nine. If you want to know what the word was for episode eight, 
you need to go back to last week's episode and take a listen because I do not remember. I do, but I'm not telling you. Go listen to episode eight. <laughs> My favorite part of the night was Rose Apothecary Caroline gets a new employee. Yes. What'd you think of Jocelyn shit taking over at the Rose? It made a lot of sense to me and especially the way that it was actually laid in front of us when Jocelyn comes over to the table and is like, hey, I'm, you know, a mom with a new baby looking to make some money because we've invested all our money into your dad's business. So what you got for me? Way to remind everyone why Jocelyn needs a job. I loved her playing the guilt card with such specificity. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy cow or whatever fuck that line is that uses every letter of the alphabet. I feel like Jocelyn hit every guilt card in that one long sentence that she says to David. Yes, she And then I love David. And I love that David acknowledges that that, that's a lot of guilt for brunch. (laughs) You know, I thought the whole thing was very fun. I thought it was a fair compromise between Patrick and David to say, let's allow Jocelyn like a little trial run. Patrick definitely had all of the leverage in this conversation. He was definitely going to win this because the way we come into it is David ducking Patrick on the florist bill and the current estimate for their wedding talk, which I was happy we got some wedding talk with some wedding planning I was happy with that too. That was the tiniest nugget and all we got. Fuels the fire. It makes us aware that they're aware that there is a wedding that is being planned that should probably happen in the next six Did you think that it tracked that David wouldn't be on top of the florist? Oh, no. No, no. Oh, I read that very differently than you, apparently. You read it like... David knows exactly how much money he is spending. He doesn't want to tell Patrick. That's why he is, quote unquote forgetting to get in contact with the florist for the estimate. Oh. He he has spent more money than Patrick will probably be okay with? Uh, find acceptable. Ah, yes. got you there. Yes. Okay, sorry. That was very much my reading. Yeah, See? no, I don't think David that sounds like a, the goddamn thing. That sounds thing. like a husband to recognize that. Word. Was not my first rodeo I hearing a conversation like not. that. You might have had someone duck you once or twice. Does working as a waitress in Bazanka's Gentleman Club, did that sound like such a bad deal to you? Yes, I would never <laughs> want to work at any place called Bazanka's Gentleman Anything. I feel like Jocelyn might do well at Bazongas. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm surprised that Bazongas exists in their world. I loved her going to go home and change into something more casual. And then comes back with that kitty cat, pussy cat sweater. <laughs> and David's whole thing is more casual. It was just some great <laughs> face acting from Dan Levy. It's some great line delivery from him. The kitty shirt made me laugh. I have lots of underscores and exclamation points next to kitten shirt. That was really, so. really funny. That sweatshirt. Although, here's my, like, on that. Jocelyn is a professional teacher, and we've seen her wear professional clothes. So it's a little goofy that she would act like she would go to work in a kitty cat sweatshirt. She'd never taught in a kitty cat sweatshirt. To Jocelyn, maybe David's aesthetic is out there. So she thought, this is me being out there. Because no self-respecting adult woman (laughs) would ever wear a kitten shirt. Unfortunately, they do. That maybe no self-respecting adult man would wear a black and white sweater with eyeballs on it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so he, she thought she was like matching his his aesthetic. She was giving a little tit for tat, I think, maybe. Or maybe it was just really funny and they couldn't resist the joke. Either way, I'm good with it. I also very much like that she has a bell. What did you think of her her making a sale bell? Oh, I thought that was funny. Do you guys have that up there? Like, is that a thing? Only for cars. Okay, so... It's a thing here at the grocery store. If you appreciate your service, there's like a bell at like the Kroger that you're supposed to like, bing. Like, so that made me laugh when I heard her like ring the bell because I was like, oh my God, that's totally like a grocery store thing, which is the exact opposite of the aesthetic that David would want. That's wild. That's I've never heard of such a thing at the grocery store. I love that she brought it from home. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that she says they, at the end that they can keep it because they need it more oh than she does. God. For me, it signifies like that's what the salesman does when he makes a big commission yeah. on, a, on a car sale. So I could see from Jocelyn's point of view <laughs> because she made a sale at Rose Apothecary and you know those prices. Okay, so Jocelyn had this amazing sales day. Did you appreciate her sales style versus David and Patrick's? Which they never really ever show Patrick. They don't actually show a lot of shopping in the store, which Moira hits on in her tourism video about how quiet it always is. I love that whole bit because uh, she's talking about how quiet it is. You can come to Rose Apothecary Mercantile. Patrick in the background awkwardly says, it's not usually this slow. And she runs right over him and says, it's always such a wonderful place for quiet. <laughs> I found Jocelyn's style a little aggressive, but it seemed to work. Oh, you did? I don't That's know. That's so funny. That's exactly how I would act. Especially amongst other women, you're trying to like tell them what you think they're trying to understand in their shop. When she said, I'm trying to buy this for my daughter and she has a new baby. And Jocelyn's like, oh, this is great for diaper rush. That's exactly how I would talk. I dislike greatly when store clerks ask me and try to talk to me while I'm shopping if I haven't asked them for help. I do too, except for the woman had a question at first. So once she opened the door, then I'd be all over it. Mm, I probably would have left. <laughs> I would have been very turned off. I would have found her pushy and I would have left. I have walked out of stores because store people talking to me trying to tell me what I should buy. If I wanted your advice, I would ask you what I should wow. buy. Wow. I don't think we can be friends. I don't think we get along very well. And- <laughs> Well, you know, maybe it's a yin and yang thing. You know what it is? Because she asked she asked a question, does this come in a smaller size? Which signified to me she understood what she wanted and she understood her size needs. David is what I want for my guy. Answer my question and then back off. If I have another question, I will come to you. I have a weird shaped body like a pear. It's like weird to find sizes. I'll ask that if you have so a That is so weird. What are you wearing? A unitard? Like, what do you need the pear shaped size portion? <laughs> I actually, I'm not, like a, and then I'm, not, I'm not shaped like a pear. <laughs> I'm not really shaped like a pear. But like, you know, you do, if you have like a weird size or my son wears like a 29 cuff. So sometimes you have to ask, do you sell this in a 29? Or I don't, that's not an invitation for you to start recommending different cuts and colors, jeans and, and shirts that go with it. I asked you if you had this inseam size. That's all I wanted to know. You know what I was just about to say? That Gap Online sells 29 inch. Seeing that's the salesperson I'd be. That is a useful answer. But if then you were like, you know, with your skin complexion, you'd really like this this lighter wash or this acid wash or something like that. See, I think maybe there's a difference between like selling you versus telling you info you think that is helpful. So I would tell you info that was helpful. I would never do that skin color shit or whatever you just said. Like I wouldn't do that because that feels slimy and salesman-y. Like I wouldn't do that. Maybe that's what you're saying you hate. If someone I don't know offers me unsolicited advice, I will guarantee not listen to it. Because I didn't ask you. I don't give a shit what you think. If I wanted to know, I would ask one of my loved ones or a friend whose opinion valued. You're so fun. Let's talk about Jocelyn and whether or not she deserved this job. She was killing it. And I think Patrick saw that in her, which I think is why it hurt Patrick so much that she kind of then shit all over it at the end. What did you think (laughs) about that? That was obviously a surprise to everybody, including David and Patrick, because I thought, okay, this is how they're going to get Jocelyn into more episodes. I was surprised when she said this is not for her. But I thought it was like a good humbling. Not everybody wants to be a Rose Apothecary worker, it turns out. What a slap in the face. It was kind of delicious that way. I thought it would have been fun to add her to the dynamic of the store in the same way that Stevie adds a different vibe to Patrick and David when she's around. A, this turned out not to be very hard or challenging or fulfilling. And B, yeah, teaching's maybe more my thing. You know, this isn't really for me. I was surprised that David didn't take it as hard as... 
Patrick did. David read it correct from the beginning that she was not a good match for the store. And Patrick was trying to be like, no, no, let's just give her a chance. And so then when she turned around and said, I'm not a good match for the store, I think David was reveling in that. Like, I told you she's not a good match for the store. Oh, interesting. I read that differently. I took it that it wasn't that she didn't think she was a good match for a store because she says at the very beginning when she makes a sale, she says, you guys make this look so much harder. Yeah, but what does she say at the very end? She goes, how does David say it? This just isn't on brand for me. And he goes, I don't say that. So basically saying this isn't a match for me. This isn't who I am. I thought she was just kind of playing up that this wasn't like a challenging job for her. But that's why I was surprised that David didn't take it more. But the way you're taking it, it does make more sense. Patrick goes, she sold more in a day than we have in a week. And you're just like hiding in the corner giving her what eye? I I think he meant something like stink eye. But it said said gut eye? It said something like, I thought he said cut eye or something like that. eye. Okay, maybe that's a Canadian line, like a stink eye. Maybe. My brain interpreted what he said. I listened to it two times to be like, what did he say gut eye? But cut eye, okay. But also what? (laughs) But guys out there, what do you guys call the the stare that you give people? I got to tell you, I did like Jocelyn's ending phrase for when she was saying goodbye to people. Yeah. And I think we're just about at that point in the episode where it's time to tell people to have a rosy day. Oh, that's totally her. <laughs> but she really does have this thin undercurrent of just vicious bitch. <laughs> just, a, just a hint of it, you know, well, like yeah. her poison, her venom wouldn't kill you. But it may give you a bad belly. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's Jocelyn's level. And I kind of like it, though, because you never know where she's going to go. Well, she's smart and she's clever. And so those people, they can be nice, but they're always going to have a little bite to them, you know, when when need be. Th- those are kind of the best people, mm. really, when they get a little that's, sassy. That's probably why I'm attracted to that Jocelyn type. I like that sassy, unpredictable type. So thank you guys for listening. Next week is episode 10. We've only got a handful more of these. I'm getting a little sadder every week. But for now, this is Caroline with Daily Review. And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. We'll see you next week at the Creek. Have a rosy day. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.